Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. Restless. You steal the Declaration of Independence. Why? So simple. I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and today we have our second-ever roundtable episode. Today I have Luke, Will, and Zach joining me. Hey, hey. Hey. Hi. So even though we're already halfway through January, we wanted to do an episode predicting what 2023 movies are going to look like, what we hope from them, what we're expecting from them, and then at the beginning of next year, we're going to look back, see what we got right, as well as be making predictions for the year after. Hopefully this is a trend we can continue for a couple years, but we're going to be talking about all of the top hits that we are excited about and just have a conversation about what we're what we're looking forward to. So first off, I want to ask you guys, which movie out of all of the movies this year are you looking forward to? If you had to pick one, what would you say is the one you are most excited for? I would probably say Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, that's, that, that is like probably, I mean, I, I assuming I'll probably go and watch it, but I think that probably is one of the top ones. The other one I am intrigued about is the Transformers Rise of the Beasts and maybe the 65 movie that's going to be coming out in a little bit. Probably the one I'm most excited to see is Super Mario's movie, but the one I'm really hoping stays true is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I'm most excited, actually, for both Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, and Oppenheimer. Both of those, I think, are stellar cast, stellar directors that I think can do really well if they're treated properly. But... We're going to go through chronologically. We're going to start with February releases. There's not much to talk about now in January, but starting in February, we're going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And just a heads up, we're going to actually do an episode on Scott Lang right before Ant-Man comes out so that you can kind of hear our thoughts on that. That's kind of how we're going to approach superhero movies instead of going movie by movie, which would take too long. We're going to go kind of the same way we did Arcane last week and do a character study on them how their character arc bridges across either their trilogy plus their crossovers or just the movies that they appear in. But that's how we're going to approach that. Look forward to that Scott Lang episode coming out right before Quantumania comes out. What are you guys' thoughts on Quantumania? At the time of this recording, we just got a trailer yesterday for another look at it. We get a look at MODOK and all that. What are we What are we thinking about that one? I think it's going to be kind of uh, what we've been missing from Marvel in a lot of ways. You know, Phase 4 kind of struggled with quality overall. It just seemed like... In a lot of ways, they were focusing more on quantity over quality, but this just seems like a return to what we had in phases one through three, and it's really interesting that while the first two Ant-Man movies really put comedy over drama in a lot of ways, this one focuses a lot more on the drama, and it's a much larger stake movie from what we saw in the trailers, and it's really interesting to see them really bring in Kang for the first time in this movie. I mean, we saw the variant of him in Loki, but actually see him in all his glorious Kang in this movie is going to be really interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how exactly they do bring in MODOK in this movie. It's been at least rumored that he's going to be Darren Cross, who's was the villain from the first movie. So it's going to be really interesting to see the story they take with him there, because I don't think that in the comics that's ever the case for the character. Yeah, having them bring Darren Cross in as MODOK seems odd to me. It goes along the same things that we've talked about when there's not meaningful death, even if it's a villain who wasn't that well-loved. It just makes it seem irrelevant. And this is, I think, a strong way to kick off Phase 5. If they do it right, there have been rumors that Marvel has been re-evaluating how they 
approach movie making and how maybe they need to slow down a little bit and take their time. Um, so I hope that starts... It probably won't show itself in Quantumania in the sense that they were started talking about it in December and that didn't really affect the production of this movie. But hopefully we'll see in the next couple movies the possibility of better direction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and just one final thought from me. I don't... Uh, well, I'll talk about this more with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I don't think that Scott Lang is going to die in this movie. It just seems like when they kind of like make it seem obvious that he does in the trailer, it usually means that he's not actually going to end up dying in the movie. And it's not going to have any emotional uh, connection with us because even if he does doesn't die there's always the chance that he comes back because marvel has set up this frustrating loop of nobody actually dies unless your name is tony stark so i'm not much of a ant-man fan i think i've seen the first one i can't remember if i've seen the second one so i really like the character of scott lang he's kind of the funny redemption story that marvel marvel has had to introduce more comedy as uh, I think it was Zach said. So I really enjoy his character and his relationship with his daughter that shows a strong fatherly figure in kind of a world that you miss out on sometimes. So I'm really excited to see what they do with his role in that. Well, I think it's interesting that Ant-Man is one of the goofiest superheroes on the screen so far, and yet he's brought the most almost strength and depth to the stories, both with his kind of introduction of the quantum realm in Endgame and just the significance his character has had on the entire universe. While it's still kind of in a goofy way, it's very important. And I think this this movie is really going to capitalize on that in introducing the new big bad for the next section, the next decade or so of Marvel. We're really putting our hope in this one. I kind of put my hope in Black Panther and Black Panther is mixed, mixed likes and dislikes. Um, but I, I do think that this is kind of a make or break. If, if you can, if you see Ant-Man and the Wasp and you know it's going south, that's, that's kind of a confirmation for me to kind of be the final straw for Marvel, but also that's everyone's personal opinion. If you still like Marvel, that's fine. It's become a problem for me in recent times, but we'll have a whole episode on that in the future. I think I've said it to you, Seth, a couple times, but, uh, I can see here in what Marvel is releasing in the next couple years, I'm honestly predicting the death of marvel because as someone already said they're producing quantity over quality and i think that's going to be the breaking point for most fans is i still think that endgame was the end and everything after that hasn't been very good that's just my opinion on i think that in 2023 it could very possibly be the end of Marvel movies and TV shows for real fans. Yes, I think the real fans are going to kind of start cutting themselves off. Like, some of us here still kind of keeping up with the news, but the interest has just died. Again, I want to go deeper into this with a whole episode on it, but that's going to be a ways in the future. We'll see how their 2023 movies go, but until then, I'll probably watch at least Ant-Man for sure. Their slate looks better than th- this year than it did last year, and I think they've been shifting things around with the TV shows too, so it'll be interesting to see what actually ends up coming out this year. For sure. Next up on the list is an interesting one. Actually, three interesting ones back to back. They're lesser known, but I kind of want to talk about them really quickly. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Now, this one came about because the rights to Winnie the Pooh were made public domain about a year or two years ago, which means that anyone could do anything with it without being sued for copyright or anything. So some 
nut job decided to take Winnie the Pooh and turn it in, into a horror-based monster or something like that. I have no desire to see it, but it's. I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on this whole idea of a beloved character becoming public domain and somebody completely quote-unquote ruining it but maybe maybe you don't think that's ruining it maybe it's giving opportunity for creative freedom that wasn't allowed before this is sure at least going to be an interesting movie i i also have no desire to go see it but i just think it's ridiculous that we're gonna even see something like this come out this year i just winnie the pooh as you know just been a beloved character for decades now just because of disney for the most part and the books that originated it and it's always been aimed at children and families but now to see this geared toward a very adult audience in my opinion just feels very like disrespectful for the source material Mm -hmm. but as you said you know when something hits public domain it's like a free-for-all and you can do whatever you want with it so i don't have high expectations for the movie and i don't expect it to do very well at the box office either i've actually heard about it a little bit beforehand and i've watched the trailer and honestly, looking at the trailer, it doesn't even look that scary. It's clearly a low-budget film that's just trying to run off this marketing campaign of what if Winnie the Pooh was evil and a serial killer? That's what they're trying to go with. And that's just looking at the trailer, you can very easily see that it's it's probably not going to be the, the best quote-unquote uh, scary film. I don't really have big expectations for it to make a, a huge splash, but it is an example of what I think is going to happen as more and more of these popular franchises get into the public domain because, well, now people have the creativity to do with that. Personally, I mean, in some sense, I find it disrespectful, but at the same time, it is very creative and it allows people to basically just do whatever they want. And I can just say, okay, that's weird, but sure, all right, you can do that. I feel as though they're just taking it for the sake of taking it. I read like the little Google thing and it said, basically Piglet and Winnie the Pooh want Christopher Robin goes off to college. They go and kill a bunch of people. But in the movie, I think it was Christopher Robin, he forgets about them and they do their best to try and get him back and to rekindle their friendship so i think it's just disrespectful to the story and how that loving little bear is now a serial killer i think it's just yeah just disrespectful in many different ways to how he was written for children and creating him to be a killer and a psychopath just because they can which shows the depravity in our world right now that we can turn a fun loving innocent little bear into a sadistic serial killer i believe the consensus is now that it is disrespectful to the original stories and i would agree with you guys that it shows the point that zach and i were talking about in the free guy episode where when given free will to do anything and there's quote-unquote no laws everything tends towards sin and wrong and it's our natural inclination and people say that humans are naturally good and let's look at like we said free guy look at these examples it's just not true it's disappointing to see something like that all right moving on to one that i just wanted to touch on because i think it's really funny you guys heard of cocaine bear yeah (laughs) yeah i've seen the trailer that's it's such a random concept and based on a true story apparently but i just think that's so funny that there is a entire movie being made about a bear that accidentally ingests a whole pack of cocaine and becomes crazy i I don't know if it's worth seeing i just think that's a funny concept i thought it was fake at first both the the movie was fake but 
then I thought it was a fiction movie. But no, it is based on a true story. And I don't know. It's, it's funny to me. Well, technically, it's like I think the story is based on they've kind of they're they're diverging from it intentionally. It's technically an alternate history, I suppose, because in this in the original story, I look I did a little research on it. But like, yeah, a bear like just ingested a whole bunch of cocaine and that's not good for it. So it died like a few hours later. But this is basically like a what if story where the bear survives and just goes on a rampage. It's mm. in some way, it's kind of refreshing to see something quote unquote original sort of. I mean, it's based off something, but it's still kind of like a new idea that no one would really think about. So that's kind of nice to see a fresh idea in Hollywood. But yeah, I'm probably not going to go watch it. It's just crazy, I guess. Though. Okay, you call it a fresh idea. I call it a drunk idea in the middle of the night. Dude, what if the bear, what if, what if the bear snorted <laughs> cocaine? I don't, <laughs> it's one of those things you look at, you're like, really? Okay. I think this okay. is what happens when you just have a story exist long enough in our culture now, there's just gotta be a movie about it. Yeah. I say just yeah. wait 10 years and we're gonna get a movie based on that Waffle House employee that caught a chair. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the last of the kind of unknown movies. This one I'm excited for. Jesus Revolution. This one I found out because one of the people starring in it is Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus on The Chosen. And in this movie, he plays a hippie where the whole point of the movie is based on a true story back when it was the time of hippies and the church was having kind of a crisis where they were kind of deciding whether they should welcome or uh, condemn the hippie culture where it was very, you know live free and sex all the time, drugs and all that stuff. And I was really kind of in love with the trailer when I saw it because it looks very uh, authentic and I don't know the story, but I feel like it's true to the story. And this one pastor who starts accepting the hippies into the church and they're, they're, they're changed and it kind of spurred on this new revival in Christian music as well, where the, the hippie music and the Christian hymns kind of collided and started I believe, the CCM movement. It does seem like an interesting movie. I've seen the trailer for it, but I am pretty hesitant. Firstly, because I don't really have a high view of hippies in the first place. Uh, <laughs> that, that's just kind of my bias, I guess. But... I think I think this movie is for you then, Will. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know if I'll go watch it, but I might. I'm intrigued by it. I am somewhat hesitant for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because I don't know who's making this movie, but I don't think it's a Christian group per se or a Christian company. I think it's more of a Hollywood company. So that's just a that's just a caution that I want to be aware of. And then I'm kind of concerned about the, the message that they're going to preach in this movie because it does seem to be a bit more of the acceptance, which is a good thing in Christianity. We're told to, uh, you know, be loving and kind and, and accepting. But at the same time, there is a certain danger with that that's very prevalent nowadays in America, I would say. So I think this can be a good movie and a good Christian movie, but I'm just kind of hesitant towards what exactly they're going to say and what exactly they're going to try and tell me. And so I want to be kind of careful about that. It's made by Lionsgate, and I know Mm. that they've made other decent Christian movies. But of course, it's not the Kendrick brothers making a movie, um, and even those have some issues sometimes, but... um, it will be interesting. I think it will be worth watching and reviewing. I mean, yeah, this movie is also made by Kingdom Story Company, who's a partnership with Lionsgate. And they made American Underdog a couple years ago, which was also a faith-based film. Yeah, so it is made by a faith-based studio, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm hesitant whenever a Christian movie comes out. Especially recently, it always seems like they're like, this is going to be the Christian movie that's going to stand out. And then it they never really do. And I just, I think it's, I mean, it's based on real people and a real movement, which I think helps Christian movies a lot of the time. Because I feel like whenever a Christian movie tries to 
create its own story of fiction, it usually ends up being very much like propaganda instead of an actual story. So I'm excited to see where this goes being a, a biopic like this, but I don't have the highest hopes for it. Okay. Next up, we have 65, which is the movie with Adam Driver that I've only seen a little bit about, but people have kind of been raving about it. Obviously, it the entire title of the movie is based on 65 million years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. That is a very contentious topic amongst uh, Christians, whether creation versus evolution. But the concept, at least to me, is interesting. Uh, futuristic time travel, going back in time to the dinosaurs. You kind of get that Jurassic Park vibe along with the Star Wars or Star Trek sci-fi vibe. I think that could be very interesting. Again, a lot of these are if they execute it well. This has kind of been an interesting point that we are going to all movies now as we've been let down by many to just kind of expect to be disappointed and then be pleasantly surprised if it's good. I haven't seen much about this movie yet, but it does look really interesting. It's very interesting to have Adam Driver at the lead, who's was kind of made a big name actor by the sequel trilogy for how for however good it was. But he's is I mean he played a great role in those movies and he's obviously a great actor. So it's going to be interesting to see him, how he plays his role in this film. And it looks like it's going to have a small cast. When I look it up on Google, it's only got five of them, which makes sense if they're strange on Earth 65 million years ago. I feel like this could be a, a better Jurassic Park, essentially. It looks to be darker and more and more dramatic, and I think I'm just kind of hopeful towards it. It looks pretty exciting. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about it, but just from what you guys have said, it could be a good movie, just from the perspective of it could be a fun, just like a Jurassic Park of something that could never really happen, just fantasy fun dinosaurs all right let's talk quick about creed 3 this one i'm excited for for no specific reason except that i'm loving jonathan major's addition to it uh i have not <laughs> this is where it's interesting that i'm excited for it i have not watched any of the rocky movies any of the creed movies and yet i'm excited for this maybe it's jonathan majors maybe it's michael b jordan maybe it's tommy Prophet's soundtrack which i know hits really hard in these movies but i want to do a movie marathon to get through all of the rocky and creed movies before this movie comes out because I think it's going to be really good. I know the first Creed was well accepted. The second one was hit or miss for some people, but I think that this one is going to really hit hard in, in with most audiences. Well, yeah, and going back to the Rocky movies is mainly why I wanted to talk about this is because the Rocky movies are really iconic in movie history, and for a lot of people, it's nostalgic, and I think Creed has done just a really, really good job keeping that legacy of the original Rocky movies in the late 70s so i was i just really like that they're keeping the legacy hopefully from what i've seen it looks like good story i think these movies differ from most of the ips and sequels that we kind of have a problem with and that it is creating its own story while it's connected to apollo creed and rocky and even sylvester stallone appeared in the creed movie it's it's varying because it's his own character it's a way that they can continue the franchise while not disrespecting anything that came before it. It's it's one of those franchises that can keep building and you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a decent boxing match. You're going to get a bunch of stuff that is kind of iconic, like you said, for that franchise. Next up is Shazam! Fury of the Gods. 
and Zach is kind of passionate about the Shazam series. I have not even watched the first one, so I apologize for that. That's a sin for some people. I did watch Black Adam, which is kind of connected, but I did not like it. So Zach, what are you? What are your thoughts on the Shazam sequel? I am very excited for this movie. I when I went to the first one, I didn't have like much expectations for it at all, and then I was just blown away by it. So that's why I'm very excited for the sequel now. It's gonna be cool to see the whole Shazam family in it the whole time because. They don't all come in until later in the first film. No, it's one of the final films of the current DCEU before we switch over to James Gunn's DCEU. It's the same cast all returning for the most part, and just from what we've seen in the trailers, it looks to be a lot bigger scale than the first one, which is going to be interesting to see if David Sandberg can pull that off. I mean, I trust you. I, I have nothing else to say. There's, <laughs> I have no criteria for what it has to do or not do. What I've seen of Shazam, uh, just the trailers I've seen, it just honestly to me look kind of stupid, but I haven't seen it. So I can make no judgments on the acting and the storyline. So Now, the next one is one of the kind of meme ones that people are going to go see. The Super Mario Brothers movie is one that is ironically going to be good, in my opinion. Um, a lot of people have been excited about it. It's... <laughs> It's hit or miss. Some people will not like a film adaptation of a video game like Super Mario, but I honestly am more optimistic about it than not. I think Pratt can pull it off along with Jack Black and Anya Joy Taylor and all these other actors who are big name actors. I think they can do it and the animation looks really cool. I I think this will be actually a really successful movie because for the people who are now adults grew up playing the classic Super Mario games on an Nintendo, the different Nintendo uh, consoles over the years, and when it first came out, it was one of the most successful games ever, and I believe it's still up there, so I think a film adaptation of the game will do pretty well because of all the adults looking for the nostalgia of the characters and the magic of it. And we've seen Uncharted. It was a game and then they adapted it into a pretty good movie. So I think it'll be a pretty good success with adults and kids who are still playing the game. One of my biggest criticisms for this movie probably is Chris Pratt's voice. I just haven't been impressed with it from the trailer so far. But overall, I think this movie is going to be pretty good. Like even like unironically, I think it's going to do very well and just be a very good story over I think I heard that Nintendo limited limited the amount of bathroom humor that Illumination could put in the movie because Illumination is pretty known for their bathroom humor, like in the Despicable Me and Minions movies. So that's going to be something that I'm more excited about for this film because the bathroom humor gets quite dumb in Despicable Me and Minions. It's also interesting to see how they're kind of putting multiple Mario games together in this film. Like already in the trailers, we've seen classic Mario. We've seen a little bit of Smash Bros. even in Mario Kart. And I've heard that in this film... So that's Super Mario Galaxy as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bring in all these different aspects from different games and the one story. So I'm actually excited to see it. Now on to our our second Marvel movie of the year, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This one, oof, I am excited for mostly because the trailer that came out a couple months ago was the first trailer since Endgame that Marvel has released that I felt something. I felt Mm. excited. I felt sad. And just the performances that they showed clips of in the trailer 
got me excited in a way that I haven't for a while. And I don't know if that's false advertising or what this movie is going to deliver. I know James Gunn has been doing really well in both how he's been directing his movies through Guardians of the Galaxy and now how he's reevaluating the DCEU. So I know we don't know much about it right now, but I think that it's going to hit hard. It's going to hit emotionally. We're going to lose some of the characters that we've loved. Dave Bautista just announced that that will be his last movie as Drax. He wants to move on to more serious roles. That I don't know if he's going to die or if he's going to just be written out. I I think this is a very open-ended movie that especially I feel is very distant from the saga that Marvel is setting up with Quantumania, but also it just kind of feels separate and could do its own thing and not really connect to everything else. And that's kind of a good sign for me is that it's going to be its own thing. It's going to do its own story and not really care about what's happening in the rest of the MCU. I'm tentatively hopeful towards it. It's kind of the same feeling towards A-Man and the Wasp. I haven't looked into it as much as the other Marvel movie, but it definitely seems to be more heavy and emotional than other Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which are generally more like jokey and kind of comical. And I think it'll kind of be, depending on how good Amon and the Wasp is, it might be like a hit or miss one. I'm excited for the Adam Warlock character to finally show up. I really am just kind of intrigued what they're going to try and do now with the Guardians of the Galaxy, because we've seen them in other movies especially in Thor Love and Thunder, but I don't really know what they're going to try with this one. So I'm kind of hopeful towards it, but I don't know. We'll have to see as it comes closer. Yeah, similar to what I said about Ant-Man, it's interesting to see them take a more dramatic approach with this one. Uh, James Gunn is kind of one of the few consistent directors that um, Marvel kind of has left. You know, they had the Russo brothers for a while who came out with great movies and James Gunn has been keeping up with the good movies. So it's going to be interesting to see how the studio or what the studio does with this movie because that can really impact some of the Marvel movies these days like we saw with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, uh, it's been said that this is going to be kind of like a fan final fanfare for the for this current team of Guardians. So kind of like Endgame, I expect we're going to see some of them die while we see some of the other ones retire and some of them just find new lives to live, I guess. So I don't know much about the villain. It's high evolutionary haven't seen much of him besides what's in the trailer. I think this is kind of like what I said with Ant-Man. It's It does kind of look like Marvel returning to what they used to be, but I am cautious with my help for it. Let's touch quickly on Fast X, a franchise that has gone on way too long. Um, I have yet to watch through all the Fast and Furious movies because I do think that they're kind of an iconic franchise of our era, but it's definitely one that has gone on too long, and I think they've overstayed their welcome, but yet they can be entertaining with the stunts that they do in and all that so not much to say on story but i don't know it'll be interesting to see how they keep wanting one-upping themselves in these in these movies so next up after this is little mermaid um it's a it's a remake we've kind of been let down by disney remake so far they can be entertaining but yet as we talked about in the other round table they're really just out of ideas disney is remaking everything in live action which can be fun to see but also there's a reason that they were made in an animated fashion, not only because computers hadn't developed yet and they couldn't do these movies in live action, but yet there's a magic to it, keeping it animated. And we saw that with Lion King, you can't really get a lion to emote or talk as well as you can in an animated movie. So seeing it in live action is cool, but you lose a lot of what you remember and feel from the original. Well, I have some very strong feelings about this and the fact that they're remaking it makes me think of Tolkien's quote and I have it up here evil cannot create anything new it can only corrupt and ruin good forces that have been invented or made so that's my first thought on 
all of these remakes. They can create nothing new because God is a God of creativity and creating new things. And when they are not aligned with that and when they do not believe in that, they cannot make anything new. And that's what we're going to continue to see is they're going to try and remake things that are already good and they're going to keep failing. And hopefully they'll eventually get the message that it's not working because it's in our human nature not to enjoy things that aren't creative and new and that's why stuff like fast x is just kind of too repetitive is because they can't create anything new and with all these marvel movies they're just repurposing the comics and even then they're just not staying faithful to the comics because they already have all that content there they're just trying to bring it into movie form to get money and that's what i think about uh the little mermaid remake is it's just gonna be preachy and just not very good there's a lot to unpack there um i would agree that movies are very hesitant to make something new and original because like anton says in free guy i love that quote of his that ips and sequels are what sell they understand that that's the business model and they have there's no there's not going to be a moral awakening for them to feel the need to make an original movie when they see that people are quote-unquote mindlessly going to the remake of little mermaid simply because they want to see live action these they know that their audience isn't actually thinking of about originality the same way we are. But the difference between The Little Mermaid coming out versus something like Oppenheimer, which we'll talk about in a little bit, something made by the director who has full creative control versus a studio-led production is very different and attracts different types of audiences, for sure. Live-action remakes are, def- are definitely not something new. From Disney, we've seen them as far back as 1996 with 101 Dalmatians and... You know, they've been received very differently from movie to movie. You know, the Lion King remake ended up in, like, the top ten highest grossing films of all time, but then we've got the recent Pinocchio movie, which basically everyone agreed was bad. So it's going to be interesting to see where this one lands on this spectrum. I mean, this one looks, I mean, higher quality than the Pinocchio film, but at the same time, it's still a remake. It's Disney relying on what the audience already knows rather than giving them something new and fresh. So now we move on to the busy seasons in the summer with June and July releases. These are heavy hitters. A lot of them are looking good, but we're still going to talk about them. First up in June, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Zach said this was his... Uh, favorite movie that he's looking forward to i would say it's high on my list too i'm really excited for what it appears to be bringing we all know that a lot of us are huge fans of into the spider-verse and just the art style the story that it brings could be really refreshing as we use that word a lot but enjoyable to watch to to get another original story that accepts the multiverse in a different way than say multiverse of madness does or anything that's been on the big screen so far but the concept of the spider-verse is essential to the spider-man character that there's many different spider-man anyone can wear the mask anyone can do a different suit design Mm -hmm. all of that stuff it's it works different with Spider-Man than it does with any other character, and I'm very excited to see us explore this in more detail, more than Into the Spider-Verse. This movie, I'm beyond excited for. I remember when I went to the first one, I didn't have that high expectations going into it, similar to what I said about Shazam. You know, I just thought this is a animated Spider-Man movie from Sony. How good can it really be? But then I was just completely blown away by just the art style and the story it was telling. So I'm excited to see them continue this story and across the Spider-Verse now. I just looked this up because I remembered it. Uh, I think one of the directors is Chris Miller. When he 
uh, posted the poster on his Instagram. He posted it with the line, it's how you wear the mask that matters. So I think with the first movie's lesson kind of being that anyone can wear the mask, I think this is going to be a lot about more like how you wear the mask, if that makes any sense. And I think that's where we're going to see this division come in. We're going to kind of see like this Captain America Civil War style movie with just all these Spider-Man and Miles kind of at the center of this story. So, I mean, we don't know why that Miles is at the center of this yet, but with all of them attacking him, he's obviously got some some significant role in the conflict that's happening. It's also gonna be really cool to see like Oscar Isaac and like the whole movie. We, we saw him at the after post credit scene of the first one, but then him playing that kind of antagonist role in this one. It, he's not gonna be the main villain, the Spider-Man villain, the Spot, I think is gonna <laughs> be the villain in this one. He hasn't been in any of the trailers yet, but we've seen some stills of him. So it's gonna be interesting to see the role that he plays as well as Miguel O'Hara's Spider-Man 2099. It's also cool to see in this one how they're bringing in some of the cartoon Spider-Man. We've got Spider-Man and Unlimited as well as Spectacular Spider-Man making their big screen debuts in this. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, how large of a role that they play in the movie as well. No hot take. I don't like Into the Spider-Verse. <gasps> no. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> you may, you, your opinion made Zach quit the podcast. Why? I, I, I want to hear from you. What, why, why don't you like it? What I mean by I don't like it is I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I'm just saying that as a whole, I think it's overhyped and it's overdone. That's just my opinion. I did not enjoy it the first time I watched it. I tried watching it again. Again, I just didn't enjoy it. There's something that just for some reason does not sit well with me. I don't know what it is. Hmm. It's just, I honestly felt that there was too much effort put in to make it look like a comic book. I thought you were going to say there's too much Spider-Man, and I was like, okay, well, Across the Spider-Verse isn't for you then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just think they put too much effort into making it into a comic book rather than a good cartoon movie. Oh, 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 oh. No, 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 no. Making it into a classic movie, I think they were trying too hard to make it new and exciting when there's already a lot of Spider-Man. There's four different big screen spider-man now and it just gets to be a lot i i hear you i disagree (laughs) we agree to disagree i hear you but you're wrong (laughs) exactly um i love into the spider-verse because i have a degree in animation i appreciate all the work that went into it and there is a homage that they're paying to the comics it's not for everybody i did not know you didn't like it so um maybe we'll talk about that into the into the spider-verse episode but those of us who enjoyed into the spider-verse are looking forward to across the spider-verse it's really interesting to me how we've had two spider-man multiverse films so far with into the spider-verse and no way home and both of them have been grounded in just the one universe for the most part so it's going to be exciting to see them traveling through multiple dimensions in this one Hopefully a little bit more than Multiverse of Madness gave us. That's also another reason I didn't really like it is because it seemed like they were trying to bring in other universes that didn't really belong. And that's what I liked about, I forget the name of it, but uh, the newest Tom Holland Spider-Man is that they bring all three universes together so well. But for me, Into the Spider-Verse just didn't make sense with having all the different people that we never really 
met before. All right. Cause for discussion for another time. After that, uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Now, we haven't gotten a Transformers movie since Bumblebee. And some people liked that one. Some people didn't. But it's kind of out of left field where I didn't expect another Transformers movie. I know this is kind of playing off of the one Transformers TV show where they were uh, animals versus Transformers. Again, very divided. Some people on the CG. Some people on just the concept of another Transformers movie. I don't really have a personal opinion. I haven't seen any of the other Transformers movies, so I probably won't see this one. I'm not the biggest Transformers fan, but uh, one of my best friends when I was growing up was, and he has like just devoured it all, and so that's where I get most of, the inf- most of this information. But just looking at it, a lot of people have been dissatisfied with the Bayverse, quote-unquote, as it's called, of the Transformers movie. A lot of people liked the return to form, so to speak, with Bumblebee. They liked the new styles that were a callback to the classic tv show and so looking at this i've seen the trailer and it looks nice it seems to be pretty cool and i'm kind of excited for it i'm not the biggest transformers fan but this does seem to be a pretty good movie in my opinion hopefully and i think if they just try to stay capture the spirit of the original tv show that this could be a really good film all right then on again there's a lot of controversial movies This one, I think, is possibly the most controversial movie of this whole year, and that's The Flash with Ezra Miller. This has been the biggest mess of a movie that has existed in a very long time. There has been delays, there has been allegations, there there has been arrests made. I have stopped keeping track of everything that's going on. Now, apparently, Ezra Miller is staying on as The Flash, even though he's incarcerated or something. I don't know. I'm, I have a feeling Zach knows more than I do. And there's been a lot of conversation about what cameos are in there, what the entire point of the movie is. I'm going to see it for the sake of actually judging it on if it's a mess or not. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, from the get-go, Ezra Miller was not a good cast for The Flash from the start. I think it's going to be more of a tool at this point than anyone else just to reset the universe in a lot of ways. So just there, it's not really a story it's more of just a way to bring new actors in did we did they cancel or did they cut michael keaton's role or what was happening with that michael keaton's still in this one okay i mean you know backer was completely scrapped and he was going to be in that okay that's what i'm thinking he's he's still set to be in this one there's just been so much with this movie it sounded like henry cavill and gal gadot had cameos filmed for this at one point but now they cut them which just seems (laughs) dumb at this point we're seeing Supergirl's introduction, which isn't going to mean much with James Gunn putting the full reset on the DC Universe. Uh, yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a Christopher Reeves cameo, which is kind of dumb, because he's dead. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't really know what they're doing with that yet. I, I don't know if there's not really much out about the plot yet. It's just, it's just the Flash and Batman and Batman and Supergirl. And Flash. Another Flash. I don't know what they're doing with this movie. It doesn't look that good. It's been a mess. I'm going to see it to see if it's actually a mess. I doubt, with all the problems that it has had, that it turns out to be good. It just you, one of the, It's one of those movies you're like, there's no way. I will be pleasantly surprised if it turns out to be good. Well, what I've seen of it, it does look like a complete disaster. But I think that what they're trying to do is make it too much like the tv show and i've seen i saw rumors a couple months ago that people were calling on grant gustin to replace 
uh, Ezra Miller as the Flash because he played the Flash in the TV show. I haven't seen really much about the storyline, but you already have a, what, 12-season show of the Flash covering every basis that you basically possibly could on his story. And then you're trying to come in and make a two-hour movie that's going to be better for all the Flash fans that have probably already watched 12 full seasons. I believe it's nine seasons. Yeah, yeah it's nine, nine full seasons of a TV show about him. I just don't think that it's going to do well. It looks like a mess. And with all the arrests and controversy around Ezra Miller, I don't think it's going to be good and worth anybody's time. Just one final thought from me. You know, this movie's been completely filmed for a while now, and it's mostly done. I think they've just been pushing it back just for the fact that they hope that the controversy has kind of settled at that point. But it's one of those movies that will always have that cloud hanging over it the same way that Rust is going to have this cloud hanging over it because of the Alec Baldwin situation. It's just one of those that you don't know if you should be endorsing or not because of the things that have gone on in the real world that have affected the production of this movie. You don't know if it's actually going to be worth it, if it's going to be good, if you should be if you should feel happy about it, if it's a good movie. I don't I don't know there's a, there's a mixed bag of emotions when you when you watch a movie that has had so much controversy around it. But onto another movie that has a very controversial discussion between fans. Luke's favorite, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Luke, take it away. <laughs> Indiana Jones is probably up there in my top 3 favorite movie series next to Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Probably the first three are some of the greatest movies ever made, in my opinion. And even the fourth one is a stretch, and coming around with a fifth one is even more of a stretch. Harrison Ford is 80 years old. He is an old man. He should be long gone from acting as Indiana Jones. Because the fact that they're bringing him back and then sending him back in time to the 1960s to try and use AI or whatever to make him look younger isn't going to work because it's going to look too fake. And the name itself, the Dial of Destiny, what do you think that's going to be with a character that in the past is a very strong man and coming along with characters who we see are younger and female and... (laughs) with a director that's already killed off older characters in other beloved franchises. I just, I really want it to be good, but also from what I've seen and read, I feel like it's going to be a disaster and they're going to ruin Indiana Jones's character and it's just not going to be good in any way because, again, they're just trying to repurpose old things in order to get money at the box office and not to create good content that people will enjoy for a very long time because that's how the original Indiana Jones movies were is they've been enjoyed for 40 years. Luke, you might get some flack for for calling out the females. <laughs> You're well, like I they're older, understand. they're females. Well, no, no. It's a, so it sounded Let me let me, cl- let me cl- no, let me clarify. It sounded so what funny. I'm saying by that. <laughs> what I mean by that, I have nothing against women. <laughs> I'm not being sexist. Are you I'm not sure being, about that? <laughs> I'm not I have nothing against female actors. There are tons of good female actors, but we see in Hollywood that a strong white male who is old tends to get killed off to be replaced by a diverse character in its stead and then they create 47 other movies on this other character that seven other people watch 
and not by choice. I understand. I have kind of avoided this topic for a while, but it is a very important one that I believe strongly in. The same has goes for National Treasure. I've been very disappointed with what I've seen from the new TV series, where they have a diverse cast for the sake of a diverse cast. It is not for the story. It is just to be politically correct. And we can do a whole episode on this if, if we want. But it is a problem that I have where they have replaced any good story and good character writing to simply reflect the world we live in, as one of my favorite video essay writers, The Critical Drinker, says. We, we can do an episode on this in the future. But the point, I believe, of Indiana Jones is to get rid of Harrison Ford's Indy and replace him with a younger female actress for the sake of diversity because otherwise they could have just used mutt from the fourth film but no they can't because white man bad i'm looking at the cast right now and bringing back john reese davies if they could have that duo back again and send them off in a blaze of glory i'd be completely fine with that but the fact that they're bringing in I don't know who Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, but the fact that she's so high on the list and that she looks to be a more diverse actor creates a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that they're just going to kill off Sala and Indy and replace both of them and then just try to profit off of the name for a very long time like they've done with Star Wars. Exactly. And I want to touch on two other things you said, CGI and the rewatchability. CGI, I don't think you can make an assumption on that especially when the trailers often are not the finished product. I would probably see it to see how well they can do it, but CGI de-aged characters have not done well in the past, but have been getting better. So again, from my perspective, having a degree in animation, I would love to see if they have learned from their mistakes in the past and it can do it well or not. That is yet to be determined. But on top of that, the rewatchability. Think about the original three Indiana Jones movies and how many times you can rewatch it. You you enjoy them. They are good stories. You can rewatch them maybe up to random number, six times in your life. Because you want to experience that enjoyment that you remember the first time. Same with Star Wars. Same with good movies that come out these days like Tenet. I will rewatch Tenet a thousand times because I love it even though it you know it has some flaws I still enjoy watching it along with any of the other Nolan movies those movies that can be rewatched multiple times are the ones that are here to stay anything that you watch once and you won't see again I think can be swept under the rug and you won't really care that they're gone that's why I've started to ask you guys in these episodes would you watch it again because if you can watch it again that means there's something more you can get out of it there's there's another aspect that you would want to see knowing the end watching it over again you know there's a different there's a different feeling that you can have if you'd watch it again and if it's a good movie you'll want to watch it again if it's a bad movie you won't care and i definitely think that the movies that are coming out today should be uh should be judged by that standard would i watch this again take for example avatar 2 will said he might watch it again i would watch it again for the cgi other people for other reasons again not many movies i can say that about these days but when there's a good one that i know i will watch again i give it the credit that it's due you guys have covered a lot of what i would say the main thing for me is since i've watched the uh, other movies i really was hoping they wouldn't make a fifth one in the first place because to me like we've talked about in the in Is Star Wars Dead episode between you and Isa, I just don't really see it as being necessary. I don't really think we needed Indiana Jones 5. I don't even really think we need the fourth needed the fourth one. The fourth Indiana Jones movie was okay. You could tell Indiana Jones was getting old, but at least it had a pretty good send-off. 
but this one just seems unnecessary and i i am afraid that it's going to go kind of the route of star wars where it will just kind of leave a bitter taste in the in our mouths for the rest of the franchise i've got very mixed feelings about this movie on one side i'm like with how kingdom of the crystals call was received i think they should have known that they Stopping at three was probably the best idea. But on the other hand, this movie's being directed by James Mans Mansgold, who directed The Wolverine and Logan, which are both very great superhero films. I mean, Logan's just a great movie altogether, so it'll be interesting to see if he takes a similar approach to Logan with this movie to kind of give uh, Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones just that final adventure. I think... From the trailer, too, we kind of see that it'll have a dual story with him uh, old, but also this de-aged him, and it's going to be interesting to see what the connection between those two stories is. And also with some of these actors in the cast, like Mads Mikkelsen, Antonio Banderas, and Toby Jones, they're, they're all well-known for playing villains, and they're great at playing villains, so it's going to be interesting to see what roles those characters play in the film as well. I do think that with that director at the head, it could be a good send-off, just like Logan was. And Logan technically had the possibility to spin off into different New Mutant stories with the younger kids, but they didn't, at least so far. And yet, I think they could do that with Indy, and I hope, as long as he's not instructed to by the studio, to just give him a send-off and let it be. But I'm pretty sure we're going to get a spin-off Indiana Jones TV show on Disney Plus pretty soon and that will be disappointing because Disney Plus shows have not been going well. That's a topic for another time. Okay, I I'm going to get excited about this one cuz it's my favorite movie of the year, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. First off, heck of a title. That's a lot of words. <laughs> um, but I think that this movie is going to be a blockbuster. People have started to love the Mission Impossible movies. Even the Mission Impossible movies have started to embrace their silliness and even turned it into seriousness. Like the first couple movies were very goofy and kind of set the tone for Mission Impossible. You you have the this message will self-destruct in 10 seconds. All that. And the silly the silly gags, the silly tech that they have, that's kind of the point is it's not meant to be believable. But the more that it has grown up, and especially since Ghost Protocol. They have started to take a more serious approach that I have really loved and really enjoyed in these movies, and with this movie including the biggest stunt, quote-unquote the biggest stunt ever done in cinema history. I, I have a feeling there is probably one bigger than that, and that's just how they're marketing it. But the stunt is incredible. There's a video that they've already released on how they have filmed this with Tom Cruise actually jumping off a cliff and parachuting to the ground is insanity. And I love it. <laughs> the The clips that they've been showing in the movie theaters, you get a scale for it. And it gets me excited. Again, the one of the few movies that gets me excited when I see the trailer gives me chills watching him jump off the cliff. I think it's going to be incredible. Mm. Haley Atwell is coming into the franchise. The star-studded cast that this has is going to be amazing and i i don't think mission possible has the possibility quote unquote of failing because it's still one of the few original movies that even though it's sequel upon sequel upon sequel unlike something like fast x and the fast and furious franchise it is doing new things every time every time a new movie comes out and i think that's something that can be commendable for it and i can't wait to see it i think there's gonna be a lot of good action a decent story and it can just keep going and, and using tom cruise as their key to success quote unquote where he has this reverence for actual filmmaking this is where we talked about in the top gun he needed to fly in the f-18s 
for the realism. This could not be done in the CGI because it needs to be real. There is the practicality of it that he respects so much and I respect in him so much to push that into his movies and make it essential. Just incredible on his part. I'm also really excited for this one. This is probably my second most anticipated film of the year. We got Tom Cruise at the head of this film as the lead actor, and we got Christopher McQuarrie directing, which they've been a very successful duo lately with Fallout, Top Gun Maverick, and then uh, Dead Reckoning now. And I think with those two movies coming out uh, such recently, I think this movie is really set up to success. I feel like this movie hasn't really been talked about as much as some of the other bigger movies, but I think this one's going to be doing extremely, extremely well. As you were saying, it's super cool to see Tom Cruise continue to keep doing these high stakes stunts and just like one up himself in all of these movies. So this is definitely going to be a movie for the books. And then right after that, dude, July is stacked. Right after Mission Impossible is Oppenheimer. You've already heard me rave about this. Again, the Nolan bros are going to be on it when it comes out. I think it's going to be another blockbuster. Christopher Nolan set off an actual atomic bomb for this movie. How? I don't even know. Another star-studded cast. You've got Robert Downey Jr. You've got Cillian Murphy. So many other big names that I think will pull this movie off and make it go off with a bang. Ha ha ha. Did you catch the pun? I did. (laughs) Again, whenever Nolan movie comes out, it's going to be special. Tenet came out during the pandemic. That was special to go see as one of the only movies that was out in theaters. But now this one, we're back to normal. And I think it's going to be packed theaters for multiple weeks. It's going to be good. I think this is actually one of the first movies in a while that uh, Christopher Nolan is doing apart from Warner Brothers because he didn't like the same day theater and streaming thing that they did during the pandemic. So it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, just uh, Nolan movie from a different studio like this and yeah the star started cast is amazing but it's gonna be cool to see uh cillian murphy i think it's how it's pronounced see him yep. at the head of a christopher nolan film we've never really seen that he's been in a lot of nolan films but this is the first one where he's uh playing the lead actor so that's gonna be really cool having robert downey jr in a nolan film is also gonna be spectacular so i'm really excited for that and just with the historical significance of this film i think it's just gonna be really good yeah that too the sort of historical fiction approach that it's taking i think will be also very interesting for those of you who don't know what we mean by star-studded cillian murphy robert downey jr florence Pugh, jack quaid matt damon rami malik emily blunt josh peck so many different other ones that i think are gonna just culminate in a very very good movie and wrapping up July, the the crazy July for movie releases, Barbie. Now I posted on our, <laughs> I posted on our Instagram, you know, the Zoolander memes that are going around. My friend walking into Oppenheimer, me walking out of Barbie. Um, this is kind of going to be the Minions Two: Rise of Gru scenario, is what I'm th- I'm thinking. A lot of people are going to go to it ironically, but actually enjoy it. I think it's going to be good if it doesn't take itself seriously. And I think that's the approach they're taking. And I am interested in how they're going to develop a story to it, but it's going to be worth seeing, I think, at least from what I'm seeing so far. I think it's going to be just kind of dumb. (laughs) I've seen the trailer and I really don't know what they're trying to do or what they're going for exactly and what story they're going to say whatever i just know that it's about barbie and i know that it's got ryan gosling as ken and the one actress who i can't remember her name right now but she's playing barbie i'm not gonna watch it and i just (laughs) maybe it'll maybe it will be a fine film but i just have zero interest and it just seems kind of weird for me 
All right, shooting shooting it straight. I appreciate it. Yeah, I really have no idea what this movie is gonna be, <laughs> but it's being it's being treated as like a high class film, similar to how Oppenheimer's being treated. So it's gonna be interesting to see what this actually is, because it's got a big name director, uh, Greta Gerwig, and with the star studded cast, it's just this movie is just crazy for more reasons than one. It's it, I think it's gonna be a very ironic movie. From what the trailer has uh, given us, kind of the goofy dance numbers and all that, I don't think it's going to be quite that serious of a movie. All right, we're probably going to breeze through these last couple. They're not as big of bangers as the July releases, but Marvels. Uh, Again, I don't think we're going to expect much from this, as opposed to the other two Marvel movies that are coming out, Guardians of the Galaxy and Quantumania. I don't see the purpose of Marvels. Again, I don't want to sound like I don't appreciate Brie Larson Iman Villani, all these actresses who are decent actresses in their own right. I just know the the approach that Marvel is going to take with this movie, and I don't see what it adds to the MCU in general. Again, I'm generally cutting off. I'm, I'm cutting off ties with the MCU in general. I I don't think they're adding much more to my uh, portfolio of movies, if you will. So I'm not essentially on the edge. Of, I'm not specifically on the edge of my seat to go see this movie. Yeah, I definitely think this is going to be the weakest MCU film of 2023. I just hope they can improve Carol Danvers' character because in all the appearances she's had so far in Captain Marvel and Endgame. Is that it? And a couple cameos, yeah. Yeah, and a couple small cameos. She's just she's just portrayed the character very stale so far, so I hope they can bring some more energy to the character, and I'm, I'm glad that she isn't carrying this movie alone this time. I'm glad that they're... At, at least they're bringing in Iman Vellani and um, Tayona Paris as Miss Marvel and Photon. I just... With the some of the rumors for this movie sound really weird too, with a musical planet and all. So I don't know what this movie's gonna be. We don't know anything about the plot yet, but I don't have the highest hopes for this one. Craven the Hunter. Uh, is this a Marvel movie? Is this a part of the lineup? I don't know. Aaron Taylor Johnson is Craven. I am very excited to see him in another role in the MCU. I don't think Quicksilver was done justice with giving someone like Johnson that that level of a character. So I'm excited to see him in that. Role. I, he's kind of the new the new head honcho in Hollywood right now. He was in Bullet Train. He's going to be in Craven. He might be the next James Bond, which I am all for. I think that he is a great actor. I would be interested to see where this movie goes. I don't have really any predictions for it. I know that it's kind of Spider-Man related, but I don't think they're going to relate it to that. I only just learned about this movie that's coming out, and I'm a bit of a Spider-Man geek. I do love the character, and I, and I will say about this movie, I don't know much about it, but... I think it, Craven is a cool character, and if they're going to do a solo movie on him, there's some pretty interesting things they can do with him. And if they make a really fun movie, and if they make a movie that's true to the character of Craven, I think it can be a really good film, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think the casting Aaron Taylor Johnson was kind of out of nowhere for Craven. There's a lot of different actors that were being fan cast for the role, and so that's interesting. And just by casting Aaron Taylor Johnson, it kind of sends a signal that they are trying to separate themselves from the MCU with these Sony movies. I mean, we even see that further with Donald Glover being cast to head one of these Sony villain films, too. I forgot what film that even is, or what his character is, like the hypno-disco something. <laughs> it's it's really weird. I think that his Donald Glover's character only had, like, one appearance in the comics, so I don't know why they're making a movie on him. But with Craven, yeah, I, I don't expect it to be any better than any of the other Sony villain films we have so far. I'd probably say it's probably going to be about as good as Venom, which I enjoy, but it's not any, like, 
great movie or anything. I'd agree with that. I, Sony has been hit or miss unless it's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I don't know. We could be pleasantly surprised with this one. Dune Part 2 is another heavy hitter. Uh, Will and I started watching Dune Part 1 and then didn't finish it, so I don't really know what to expect. I know there's kind of an interesting disappointment when the first one came out because we thought it was going to be the entire movie from start to finish, but then they surprised us with a part one, part two. So those people who have been waiting all this time for a part two, they'll be excited. But as far as I know, people really liked the first one. I liked what I saw of the first one, and we'll actually get to see some of uh, Zendaya's character. I suppose she's going to be in the second one a lot more, and I, th- I think it'll be good. Yeah, Seth, you and I will have to finish watching Dune because I am intrigued about the world and what we were able to just watch, and I think we should really just watch the first one and then go to see this one and see how they compare. But I'm excited for this one as well. I think they'll do a good job with it, just like they did with the first Dune movie, because the first movie was kind of setting up a lot of the stuff that we're going to see happen in the second one, which is going to climax and... It should be a really good film. Yeah, and I've, I'm, I want to do an episode on the first Dune. That'll probably come out the last week in October, right before Dune Part 2 comes out. And then we'll cover Dune Part 2 later. But that's a, a long ways away. I do want to cover Dune sometime because it is it has, it, it has enough to talk about in its own right. Uh, the movie Wonka is coming out. Both Dune and Wonka star Timothy Chalamet. And he's kind of been on the rise as a popular actor now. So I see him as a pretty strong actor. So I don't know what to expect from Wonka. I know some people don't like the casting decision. Uh, I don't really mind it. I am not a Wonka stan who really cares that much. So I th- I'm a really indifferent when it comes to this movie. If it's going to be an origin story <laughs> or whatever, as if he's some sort of superhero, I don't know what to expect. I think it'll be interesting to see how they approach it and if it's if it's good or not. I've seen the original uh, Gene Wilder film from 1971, and I'm I enjoyed that film, but I haven't seen the Johnny Depp one. It seems as if this Timothy Chalamet one is going to be a origin film, which I don't really think Willy Wonka needs an origin story, but I mean, if they can write something good, I'm interested. For me, it was the opposite. I watched the Johnny Depp one, and I've never seen the Gene Wilder one, so... You know, I don't know. Again, it's not that big of a a franchise. It's not even a franchise. It's just movies. I I don't know if this reboot is going to do much for the character or what. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it does. But finally, the movie, probably the last one of the year, releasing on Christmas Day for some reason, is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Another controversial movie. It's gone through some rewrites. I believe this one will be the last non-James Gunn DC movie that is coming out. There's been rewrites and reshoots because of the controversy with Amber Heard, and Jason Momoa has kind of had his thoughts on how the franchise should go. So, the first Aquaman was not that great. Again, this is probably just going to be a washed-up DC movie. Could be good. Don't know. Don't care. That's all I got to say. I actually think it's going to be a bit better than some people are going to think. I've watched the first Aquaman, and I really liked it, especially the underwater stuff now compare it to avatar 2 and it's not as impressive at least in comparison to cgi but that's kind of hard to beat avatar 2 but i did like seeing this new underwater world and it's really cool to see jason momo's portrayal of aquaman i don't really know too much about the plot per se of this second film but i think it's actually going to do pretty well personally but it's definitely going to be interesting to see to see this movie as it's going to be the last one of the original DC extended universe and how it'll go out and how this will affect the legacy 
of the next film series set within the DC universe coming out. I think that the original film was as well received as it was just because it wasn't as bad as the DC films that came before it. I think this film is going to be a really mixed bag in a lot of ways. From what I heard in the most recent test screenings, Amber Heard is still in the film and Ben Affleck's role was cut, which is the opposite of what a lot of all the fans basically wanted for this film. So I think there may be some protesting for this film with a lot of people choosing not to see it because of Amber Heard's involvement, so that's really gonna hurt its box office. I don't know much about the story yet of this film either. I don't think they've come out with an actual trailer trailer yet. I like Jace Momoa in the role of Aquaman, and I guess I'm excited, kind of excited to see him have a last hurrah in the role. Yeah, for sure. Well... We'll come back to this list in a year, January 2024, Lord willing, as if we're still doing this, to see if we got any of these right, if we got any of them severely wrong. I think it'll be an interesting year. Not really as big of a year as I thought, let's say, for last year, but some really good ones, especially coming out in July, I think we'll have a lot to talk about. And if you guys have any movies that you wanted to talk about specifically that we didn't cover, let us know on our Discord. We'd love to talk in depth about any movie that's coming out, whether well-known or not. So join us over there. Follow us on Instagram and also follow us on TikTok and YouTube. We are now expanding our reach to track different listeners to our podcast. So along with you sharing it with your friends, we are also getting our message out through those platforms. Hopefully our audience will grow and our community will grow. Our hope is that a lot more people will listen to this podcast so that we can have a bigger community of people just like you, just like us love movies who love god who want to talk about these things so share this with your friends give us a thumbs up give us five stars whatever whatever your platform is um it helps us out we hope you guys have a great rest of your day we love you peace see ya bye good luck and god bless